All right, we're back with our Gospel of John study after a day missing, so sorry about that. We were getting pretty consistent there for a while, so we had to keep you all on your toes. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But we're back now, and we're in uh, Chapter 5. So if this is your first study that you've listened to, please go back and listen to the other ones because it kind of explained what I'm doing with this, and it'll make a lot more sense to you as opposed to just tuning into this one and just starting to listen from this point. So go ahead and take a minute to say a prayer before we start. It's funny you bring that up because we, um, with our kids, we really don't watch any like modern TV shows. Everything we watch is like really, really old stuff, yeah. honestly. And the kids asked me a question about, um, you know, how come a lot of the storylines don't continue from episode to episode and, you know, different things like that. And I was having to explain to them, like, back in the day, you couldn't just get online and catch up on past episodes. Like, right. If you missed it, you missed it. Like, there was nothing you could do about it, you, you know, until eventually, you know, VCR and you could record or something. But even then, remembering you'd have to be there to set the recorder. Yeah. You got the VCR that had a timer, but it's Then you're fancy, happened. yeah, but it was only for like four hours, so yeah. it had to have been something. And so it was just hours. funny, you know, like you just said, hey, like if you're new here, go pull up one of the past ones so you can get caught up on the study. But it's funny to think. You know, because I did. I had to explain that to the kids. I think it was Green Acres or something. Mm -hmm. But they were so confused. Like, you know, it's very rare that there would be, like, a two-part something. And, like, Little House on the Prairie does that. If it was a two-part, they, like, give you all the highlights before the show gets and started. You remember to it, and if up. they ever did show those episodes again, it was called a rerun, and it mm -hmm. ruined everybody's life. Yeah. Because they're like, ah, rerun. Yeah. So, anyways, I that just made me think of it. I don't know why I felt the need to share that with everybody. Wow. But. Well then, so oh, now yeah. pray. Well, yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I felt the need, but That's um, right. if right. there is anything that we can do for you more than obviously everything we're doing for you right this moment by taking you down, you know, memory lane to VCRs and such, but um, if there's anything, like seriously, that we can do for you, counsel, prayer, help, whatever it is, please contact us and let us know. We absolutely love getting to connect with you guys and all of the different things that we do. You can go to APHomeChurch.com and all of the ways to contact us, they're all right there. Yep. All right, so we're in John chapter 5 and chapters 5 through 10. We're going to start seeing some opposition to Jesus' ministry here on earth. It started off pretty smooth. People were into it. They were all excited about his miracles. Then it starts getting a little stale here. So we're starting to see the first kind of real strong opposition to his, his ministry here in chapter 5. So verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool of Bethsaida with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, laid on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Okay, so let me stop right there and explain the Beth, the pool of Bethsaida. It had more kind of a Jewish like myth aura around it that... There was. This isn't a biblical account. This is an extra biblical account of of what this, you know, oral tradition probably was for them. 
that an angel would come down into the pool of Bethsaida, stir it up, and dip anybody its right dip its wing, and anybody that got into the pool of Bethsaida would be healed after that. And that was it. Was just legend due to probably the close proximity to the temple, because the pool of Bethsaida is what su- supplied water to the temple at the time. So that's why Jesus is walking up to him saying, would you like to be healed? This crippled man's by the pool, you know, near the pool and, you know, waiting. But he's like, I can't because I don't have anybody to put me in there when the water bubbles up. So that's why uh, that's why he says, you know, when the water bubbles up, I don't have anybody to to put me in or anything like that. Because when you first read that, you're like, wait, what now? (laughs) Yeah, you're like, wait, what? Why would you? You, you want to be put in a pool to get well, but you're sick. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, how does water so, make you not crippled? It, right. All right, so verse 8. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on Sabbath. Uh-oh. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. The man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Let me go over 14. I'm going to read that one again because there's a couple interesting points on this. So 14 again. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Okay. This is a very, very touchy subject because this has nothing to do with our judgments. But we have to understand two things here. That sin can lead you into sickness and death. And God will, especially to save you from yourself, put you in a position of sickness or death. That is evident by saying stop sinning or something else may even something worse may even happen to you okay but this also runs parallel to the disciples questions to jesus when they asked him when the disciples asked him in chapter 9 which we'll get to but in chapter 9 they asked him uh who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind and jesus told them that it wasn't that this man sinned or his parents but the works of god might be displayed in him so suffering and sickness and, and all these things is not always a direct result of a person's sin or sin. And that's where we don't we can't judge on a surface level. That's what Jesus was talking about when he's saying judge not. We don't judge on a, on a surface level off of what we see of somebody. So if I see like the disciples, they say, well, this man was blind. Clearly he did something wrong because he's blind. Well, no, that's not our judgment to make. That very well could be the case. That I mean, in, in God's sovereignty and his plan, that, that could be the case. That's not our judgment to make. But it also is not always a direct result of such. 
So it's a it's a line that we need to understand, but we don't have any authority or position on. Well, we you, need to understand both points. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look in the Old Testament, I mean, you have examples given where this sin will equal this punishment. Correct. You know, and so you look at, you know, well, this sin will equal a woman being unable to get pregnant, right? Right. But then you fast forward to, like, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. Mm -hmm. When it talks about her being ridiculed and ashamed for being old and still being barren, well, part of that would have been that everybody assumed she had done such sins right. to cause her right. to never be able to conceive. But was that the case? No, absolutely not at all. Because the story of the conception of John the Baptist is huge, right? Yeah, it's Elizabeth was huge. an extremely faithful mm -hmm. woman. And that, I mean, that's the that's a perfect example of it. So much so, even more so than Zachariah was. Mm -hmm. So because he is the one that questioned the angel mm -hmm. and she's the one, you know, they, they, it you know that was like cool sweet but that's something that's interesting because but look at how we can apply that in the world today it's not that we're so far removed from that you can look at some people that are struggling and go it's clearly because of the sin that you are living sure. in right sure. you some people yeah, that is you, quite you, literally you look at it, it's some like some well, things i guess there of... are that you can that are painfully obvious sure um, that that are but i i those, those things are really difficult for us to cast but on those. the same hand there are some brothers and sisters in Christ that I can think of specifically even that have come to our home church that are struggling with horrible things, but getting to know them in counsel and, and talking in prayer and all of this, it's like... Their suffering has nothing to do with anything that they did. you. Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I there's one of you is dear near and God's dear to my heart will be shown yeah and you. and it's because of god's glory not because your sin mm -hmm. so I, I that 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 but we have to understand both of those points because they do there is a direct result we we don't think that i don't think we hold this idea that uh that god's works that way in our lives mm -hmm. but he does i constantly tell your brothers mm -hmm. i'll get personal here but i and they can be um pieces of work i'll tell you but <laughs> Bless I, I i tell both of them and i and i honestly truly believe both of them are believers and both of them are safe but i tell both of them i was like you guys gotta quit being stupid yeah something bad is going to happen or you know or if you if you don't stop something bad is going to happen and sure enough i mean i i could i could write down a list of things that have, that have happened to them mm -hmm. as a direct result of stupidity but a lot of times that's because <laughs> yeah and you know why it's because the lord will pursue you yeah if he if you're his he's gonna keep after you and after you and after you and after you that's why a sin like that can lead to death sometimes it's to save you from yourself Sometimes God has to say, you know what? No, I'm going to save you. You're done. You're done. <laughs> You're done here with this time. <laughs> so sometimes I, I, I don't have the, um, the details of how that works because I will never be God. Yeah. But we do. He does provide us with understandings like that. So that's why I wanted to point out chapter nine too. Uh, 
Verse 15. The man went and told the Jew... No, I already read that, right? 16. Okay, 16. I'm sorry, everybody. 16. Psych. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For not only he broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. Ooh. That's a really, really, really bold thing to do, especially in front of some Jewish religious leaders. Yeah. I mean, making yourself equal with God, no man is equal with God. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly. what they... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a very, very bold claim for him to make and why they immediately wanted to kill him <laughs> when he said that. My father is always working. And it's so funny because the... The Pharisees here, much like today, that we see in, we have modern day Phariseeism, mm-hmm. right? We want to point, we want people to come and point out that you're not doing this practice completely correct. So therefore, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It still happens today. All right, verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will be truly astonished. Yeah, you know, like rising from the dead. Pretty big, you know. Yeah, it's pretty big. MPD. Verse 21. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son is certainly not honoring the father who sent him. That's really kind of funny saying, well, let's just be like Jesus. Well, Jesus has the authority from God himself to judge you. Yeah. He's very judgy. That's funny because anytime you try to stand in biblical truth on these things that go against the popular teachings of the world, you get the, well, that's not the Jesus I know, judge not. You know, you start getting into all this, you know, hippy-dippy, all-inclusive Jesus that just lets love be love and no harsh truths and whatever makes everybody happy, you know, that type of a teaching that we we get so often. You're very, very lucky. That the father judges no one and that he's given son the son the authority to judge. Because if he didn't, you wouldn't be here. None of us would be. Verse 24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Death into life. Yeah, this isn't over. It's, 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 it hasn't even started. Verse 25. But isn't that interesting, too? He says, sorry. No. Who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting, I think, and I guess, you know, we've just been going through so much of this, you know, heretics and apostasy and, you know, these types of teachings and stuff. <laughs> Excuse the playing children. Um, we go, we've been going into so much of this, and it's so funny because the message that people are preaching and putting out there 
And that's why we really wanted to read through a gospel message, because if you take it and line it up with scripture, the totality of scripture, you know, all of this, not just cherry picking a couple things and twisting them to make them sound good. Are you truly listening to his message? Are you listening to a twisted, warped version of his message? Because you have to listen to his message and believe in God who sent me. Him, you know. So if you look at it and you look at the rest of scripture in with his message, it all has to harmonize and fit together perfectly. So instead we've taken away all of the things that God is so clear on detesting and we've turned it into this happy-go-lucky, lovey, do what you feel is best, don't worry about anything. How does that... We can't get to that if you're looking at Scripture. Verse 25, And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. I see verse 25 here is kind of twofold. One, it's obviously he's announcing that he's here and offering eternal life being the Son of God. But I see this twofold as a um, foreshadowing of the rapture of the church. Now, we can't really find the rapture outside of Paul's writings because Jesus usually in the Gospels is always speaking of his second coming. However, there's allusion, there's he alludes to the rapture of the church many different times throughout the gospels. Never directly, but you can you can find you can read it in there. And it's not reading into something because at this point it was still a mystery that hadn't been given yet. But it, that doesn't mean that Christ didn't know about it because of course he did. He's the son of God and God had get, given him all authority. He emptied some of his authority as a human on earth. So that's why, you know, obviously he needed to be truly human as well as truly God. So he had to empty himself with a lot of his power, probably some of his knowledge. We can see that he plays the submissive son role as a human many times and does not have the same knowledge as the father does while he's human on earth fulfilling his first coming so this but the 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 twofold part of this is what he says i assure you that the time is coming so it's coming and indeed it's already here so it's both it's coming and it's here that when the dead hear my voice okay this is where we have the two distinct differences between the second coming and the rapture Okay, because we hear his voice during the rapture. His feet, and everybody sees him, steps foot on the earth again on the second coming. You can read about the second coming in detail in the book of Zechariah. I mean, it, 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 I think 14? Yeah, 14. That explains that the Lord himself will stand on the Mount of Olives and it will split in half. So that's a distinct difference between a shout, right? The Lord himself descending from, descending from heaven with a shout, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. So that's obviously the people that the faithful believers that have died before us. We, the dead rise first, and then those who are alive and remain are caught up and rise after. But going back to the the parallel here that I see in twenty five, notice that it says, "When the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live." So where that's the next event that all of us Christians are expecting to happen is hearing the Lord's voice in the rapture of the church calling us up to come be with him. And that's, that's the parallel that I see here in 5. Even though, like I said, we don't ever directly say that the rapture is found in the Gospels. It is Definitely, as you can see here, alluded to. Mm -hmm. Verse 26. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone, because he is the Son of Man. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me, and I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist, and his testimony about me was true. Of course I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. So the Father gave the the miracles and the teachings. These were to accomplish the work that he sent and to prove Christ's divinity. Okay, these weren't giving out free miracles because Jesus loves everybody and accepts everything. It's not the way that it was. And Jesus is explaining here the reason why he does these things. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe in me the one he said to you you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life but the scriptures point to me yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life your approval means nothing to me because i know you don't have god's love within you for i have come to you in my father's name and you have rejected me yet if the others came in their own name you gladly welcome them okay let me stop right there and remind us here that Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. Okay, he was talking to the the churchy people that are at the very, very top. And specifically, this was about Israel's rejection of the Messiah. They should have known who he was. You, skirt, you search the scriptures and everything points to Christ. Mm -hmm. 
we can see as we read the New Testament, we can see and we always say that in order to understand the New Testament, you understand in light of the Old Testament. The same thing, you understand the New Test or the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. Because it we have the uh, fulfillment in Christ and that's what he's saying here is he's like I'm saying all of these things and you have no idea you're you're all here for the practice and for the tradition and all these things but your heart is nowhere near me you think you know who I am but you have no clue and they could have you know he in Isaiah it explains that he will free the captives he will heal the sick and that's what above what we were just reading it says that I have I'm doing all these things to show you that it's me that's God who sent me because he told you about this a really long time ago through every single prophet ever and like I said Isaiah specifically saying what exactly the Messiah will do Bert, go ahead. What? Well, it was yeah. just going to say, it's funny, you know, we have where people have compiled lists of like every single prophecy that Christ perfectly fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And the mathematical statistics and probabilities of any one person being able to do even a fraction of those, you know, and you look at all of these keys and it's like, if you really knew the scriptures as well as you are claiming to know them, if you really understood, if you really looked at these things, if it, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally so much that you have no reason to not know who I am. But then you look at how they loved the system. They loved their power. They loved they loved all of these things. Well, that's what he says. You love the honor judgment. that comes from each other. Exactly. You don't love me. But how are we so different from that today? We're not because the, the religious leaders of this day, they love the honor. Mm-hmm. They love that we, we look at them as a teacher and, oh, we respect everything that they say. No matter what we say, we blindly listen and follow anybody that tickles our ears. We do the same thing. We are no different than Israel whatsoever. The story of Israel and their rejection of the Messiah is the same exact story as our story of the rejection of Christ that we have and we see in the world today. It's the same thing. Just modernized. All right. Verse 45. Right? Mm -hmm. Yet isn't it I who will accuse you before the Father? Moses will accuse you, yes. Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believe Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote all about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Yeah, Moses wrote all about him. And Moses had direct interactions with him. Why? That's that's what we read, or what we just read in the beginning chapters, that everything was created through him for him by him everything so this mystery person that moses is talking to this 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 godhead that he's talking to guess who it is jesus jesus 
We read about the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Do a word search on that in the Old Testament. It's the angel of the Lord. There's very different. There's a, there's a huge difference in that. Travis and I had a great discussion about this. It's we both get super excited about this because, really yeah, because in in the book of Judges, in the book, I, I mean, you can see it all throughout the Old Testament that this the the angel. the angel this angel pops up and you'll see him in forgiving sin and you're like what how's, how's an angel doing this uh, it was no, no, no. the the and the you can do a word breakdown it's the messenger of the lord mm -hmm. which well we know who that is so <laughs> anyway uh i had a lot of fun with this chapter we'll be back tomorrow with chapter or in a few we'll days with chapter monday. six monday yeah. with chapter six so we will so. have these coming out monday through friday lord willing is the plan as yep. we work through john thanks guys